It's your choice, dude. Don't be looking at me with those eyes. And he's watching me with those eyes. And he's barking during a podcast. I just know it. (laughs) Come lay down somewhere. Don't look at me like that. He's tippy-tapping with his paws. Late, late at night. We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational and and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It might be not safe for work. You'd probably better listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And it is our second Spooktober episode. <gasps> spooky. October 2021. Our spookiest one yet, I think. You think? I think this might I, be our spookiest I think it's one. for real spooky. That's it's why very, it's so spooky. It's, very. it's spooky to the extreme on the <laughs> spectrum of spookiness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Everything. know whether to do like a squick warning, like this is gross, because I don't know. I don't really what is the definition stuff. of squick? Stuff that grosses you out. Okay. Gross Gore stuff. Gore and stuff. Gore and, okay. Like we did a little squick warning for our lobotomy episode. Yeah, that was. This is more. This is spooky. I think this is more spiritually spooky. Yes. Like on a spiritual level. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have any pre-roll either, so we can just hop in. Let's just jump in, because we're already halfway. Jump in with both feet to the spook. What episode is this, though? 93. I just like to know. I just like to know where we are. (laughs) I like to stay self-aware. numbers. Okay. (laughs) I get the right number. It's 93. Right. So, Anna, what's so spooky today? What are we talking about? Well, this is one that I kind of wanted to do last spooktober and i was like i don't think mom would want to do this but you were surprisingly receptive when i brought it up but we're talking about exorcisms today so giving a little bit of what exorcisms are and i have a famous exorcism case i don't know if you have a famous case i don't i'm going to talk about a man who works with exorcists okay though so tell me why you thought i wouldn't do this I thought you wouldn't want to do it for like our, what I would call a science-based podcast because it's a spirituality-based thing. Uh But I think there's enough science to go with it that it can satisfy both. Mm -hmm. I think that when when you said, should we do it, one of the things that I said to you was, if we journey into that direction, if we tread into that water or whatever, it will be an episode where I will have to self disclose more about my own personal spirituality than I mean I know I do that everyone's sometimes. very surprised <laughs> shut up <laughs> but I mean because it is a significant issue for me to talk about <laughs> demons yeah yeah devils and the demons the devil things devils the devils <laughs> Yeah. So as therapists, one of the things that we do is we are non-judgmental. 
and we listen unconditionally. And so we hear a spectrum of people's spiritualities. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Anna, but I have quite a variety of spirituality in my clients. Oh, yeah. One of my clients says that their spirituality, the closest thing they have to spirituality is quantum physics. <laughs> ah. Like, well, okay. Yeah. It's, it goes over my head, but sure enough, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know how we how we start this. Well, I guess we should just talk about like what exorcisms are. Yeah. I have a little bit about exorcisms in in the various cultures and religions, so we can kind of compare and contrast. That's a good idea because one of the things I think that with movies and media and stuff, we often see the exorcist as only Catholic priests. Yeah, when and- we talk about exorcisms, and especially mm-hmm. like the case that I have is Catholic exorcism case. Right. The famous movie, The Exorcist is a Catholic exorcism. So I think that's what is in like the cultural lexicon as an exorcism. Right. And it is true that that the Catholic Church actually has trained, established priests who are trained to be exorcists. Okay, I was going to ask you about that because Mm -hmm. like some things I saw were like, okay, well, the bishop just has to, and we can talk more about this when we talk about the Catholic exorcism, but Mm -hmm. is there, so there's like actually like people trained to do it. Like those are the only ones who can do it? Is that a newer thing? No, Um, it's not newer. But yeah, there are specific people who are trained. I mean, technically... According to Catholic faith, any any Catholic priest could do that, but they're kind of told they probably shouldn't try because it's kind of that thing like you know don't fight above your weight class. Sure, you know <laughs> if you believe in yourself, though, <laughs> if you really know. So yeah, let's talk about different. So like, different, could I do an exorcism according to the Catholic Church or according to <laughs> according <laughs> to the Catholic Church? Probably not. But they don't believe in me. They don't, they don't believe in me like I, I believe in me. I believe in you, Anna. <laughs> I believe in you. Um, yeah, so talk about, let's talk about different different faiths with, yeah. with the whole idea of exorcism. Yeah, because exorcism is a concept that pops up in a lot of different cultures and religions. So let's talk about some of those and kind of compare, contrast. They all have the same basic idea, which is expelling a negative spirit or influence from someone afflicted by that. That's what it is in every culture, but they all look a little different. In Islam, there are a lot of different terms for exorcisms and exorcism-adjacent rituals, Mm -hmm. I guess. But they all center around curing, treatment, expulsion of a spirit. In in Islam, exorcisms might consist of the treated person lying down while a sheikh, is that how you say that? Muslim holy person. I believe that's right. Places a hand on the on the person's head and recites verses from the Quran. It says the verses is, are, are not mandatory, so I don't. Hmm. If you're not recite, you just go over. You put a hand on their head, and you're like, "Cool, we're done." <laughs> that's it. Um, it it consists of drinking or sprinkling holy water, which is water from the Zamzam well. Again, I don't know. Hey, hey. I'm sorry. If I'm not saying any of these things right, it's because I don't know how to say them. (laughs) Also might involve applying non-alcohol-based perfumes called itar, which from what I looked at were like essential oil-based. So hey, your pyramid scheme, if you're selling essential oils, (laughs) might help you with exorcisms. Could tie in there some way. But that's very parallel to what they do in the Catholic. Yeah, it looks rites. very similar. Yeah, yeah. The verses from the Quran that are recited are for glorifying God, for invoking God's help. In some cases, there's 
an Adan, a call for daily prayers, and that's read, and this has the effect of repelling non-angelic beings, or the jinn, um, J-I-N-N, which is also, like, in many cultures, instead of, like, a, eh, I don't want to say instead of, a jinn is the, the demon, yeah, basically. Yeah, the, the evil. Yeah. Yeah, the evil spirit is right. called a jinn. So that's Islam. In Hinduism, only one of the four Vedas, which are the Hindu holy books, uh, has anything about exorcisms, magic, or alchemy, or any of that stuff. The Atharva? Man, you set yourself up with some of the hardest words in the universe. Listen, cultures are hard, okay? <laughs> I'm impressed. Just the keep going. Atharva Veda. I'll look it up later and cut whichever one is right. <laughs> It has procedures for quote-unquote everyday life, and it's a later addition to the Vedas, but that is the only Veda that has anything about, like, alchemy and exorcism and all huh. that stuff. But the the basic means of the exorcism are the mantra, which um, we use, we've talked about mantras before, just right. like a thing, that, a thing that you repeat over and over that kind of gets you into kind of a meditative state. Mm-hmm. And the yanya, which is a sacred fire offering thing, which is kind of cool. They also have like reciting names of gods, especially Narasimha and reading scriptures and praying to the Lord hmm, Hanuman. Hanuman is a Hindu god, but also a divine monkey companion of another god. Guys, you are we learning so much. We know very little about this. I know, yeah. I know very little about <laughs> yeah, that. That's uh, kind of goes without saying, <laughs> I think. But uh, apparently, the Lord Hanuman, evil forces and demons, just like tremble in fear at the Ooh. name or the image of this this particular god. So, okay. very effective in terms of like exercising those spirits. Mm-hmm. In Buddhism, a pirith is a protection ritual, and it means protection from all directions. It means protection. Hmm. Um, but it's a space for uh, chanting the suttas of the Buddha, like the discourses around Buddhism, basically, to ward off forms of danger. It, it includes disease. It doesn't even have to be like spirits, demons, that kind of stuff. Like negative influences, right, basically. Right, right, That makes sense. Um, I don't know. Just kind of, again, it just kind of take expelling an evil spirit and apply it to whatever you believe about the universe and the world right right it is present in almost any culture like that it also aims to elevate consciousness and clearing what's called a delusory state of mind oh that's interesting yes so that can kind of be applied to what we will i'm sure talk about later which is like how sometimes the things that are happening even if they're not like an actual demonic influence, they're still mm-hmm. happening to the person. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. we still need to be helping them. So right. in Taoism or Chinese folk religion, exorcisms are performed because an individual has been possessed for one of two reasons. Either the individual disturbed a ghost, regardless oh. of the intent. So even if they didn't mean to disturb it, oops, oops. they kicked a grave or whatever. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. But the ghost is now seeking revenge. Or an alive person could be jealous and use black magic as revenge for something ah. and conjure a ghost to Kinda possess con- someone. I see. Ooh, yes. ooh that's mean. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, don't do that. Hey, hey that's not very hey. nice to do. <laughs> <laughs> if you needed someone to tell you, 
Cursing someone so they become possessed? Probably not, not the nicest. Nice. No. Mm-hmm. The Fashi, who are Chinese ritual specialists and Taoist priests, are able to conduct particular rituals for exorcisms. It is kind of priestish in that yeah. certain people are, are responsible for doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, Taoist exorcisms include the use of chanting, physical gestures, praying to drive away the evil spirit. So again, very similar to to what we heard in the other cultures. Mm -hmm. The leaders of the exorcism rituals are inviting the divine powers from the deities to conduct a performance to call out the demons so the village can have peace. Okay. And that's kind of, I don't know, like, I think the people that go to perform exorcisms, I mean, obviously, if you're going to perform an exorcism, you believe in an exorcism. Like, you believe that you are facing an evil spirit. Right. That takes some balls of steel, man. <laughs> I know. I know. In any religion. <laughs> it's just like, exactly. come on, man. In Judaism, the Jewish exorcism ritual is performed by a rabbi who has mastered practical Kabbalah. And also there is a minion, which is not like the little yellow guys from Despicable <laughs> That's what me. I always think of when I hear that word. <laughs> They have minions There's in the Jewish a, faith? That's the <laughs> devil that's possessing someone. Oh, okay. Is the minion. Okay. <laughs> Banana. Or whatever they say. I've never seen a minion movie. <laughs> uh, a minion is spelled M-I-N-Y-A-N. And it's a group of 10 adult males who oh. gathers around the possessed person in a circle. Ooh. Um, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. A little shield. The more the mayor, I think it's better to have more numbers, people there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Safety in numbers. Yeah, the group recites Psalm 91 three times, and then the Ooh. rabbi blows a shofar, which is a ram's horn. And it's blown in a certain way to, in effect, shatter the body so that the possessing force will be shaken loose. I like it. Does that mean they hold it real close to their face and just sort of <laughs> scare the demon out? <laughs> That's interesting, though. Yeah. After it's been shaken loose, the rabbi begins to communicate with it and ask it questions like, hey, why are you possessing this person? What are you doing? You know what this reminds me of in my head? Do you remember that movie, um, Practical Magic, and her sister was possessed by the, the dead guy? Or, you know, he, it was actually like an obsession first and then a possession. But the but they made like a circle. This was more like witchcraft. Mm-hmm. But they, this, it sounds like what you're talking about. They, the women all brought brooms and they were supposed to stand in a circle oh, yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah. the girl who was possessed. Yeah. But that reminds me of that because like they were doing this chant and stuff mm-hmm. until the, it like it broke it loose from right. her. It shattered it. Just went off on that. That's little, okay. Like that's. I see this minion. The broom thing the, though. Yeah. Like the creating a physical barrier, right, I think is, right. and I think that kind of stuff is cool. Just like whatever is going to give you more like a solid ground to stand on, I guess, right, right. for whatever you believe. I, I think that most Christians believe in the mm-hmm. devil and demons, and I mean the Catholic Church kind of gets that reputation because of like we said all the movies or whatever yeah the media focuses on that right but i would say that all christian yeah so let's hop to christianity and especially Mm -hmm. catholicism when we talk about exorcism Mm because i do think that's what's mostly in the kind of public consciousness and what we're going to be talking about in our kind of more specific cases Mm -hmm. 
the exorcist, and this isn't any part of Christianity, not just Catholicism, that the exorcist is going to use like prayers, religious material, like gestures, symbols, icons. So like we we see like the crucifix being used. Right. The crucifix is pretty Catholic. That's though. Catholic, yeah. But the exorcist is going to invoke God. The name of Jesus is going Jesus. to be invoked in yeah. the exorcism. Like that's going to be the source of power in a Christian exorcism. It's kind of like when you were talking about that other religion and you said that particular God Mm-hmm. you know that they run from him or whatever yeah. and as as christians we believe that the name of jesus is very powerful is the one because, that they're gonna run yeah from. <laughs> jesus is the one yeah yes but also like different angels archangels can be brought in protestant christian exorcists usually believe that the authority given to them by the the trinity the father son holy spirit is the source of the ability to cast out demons mm-hmm. but the basis here is expelling evil spirits by invoking the name of jesus so we do do have to separate like a formal exorcism from what are called prayers of deliverance, mm-hmm. which can be done by any old schmo, basically does mm-hmm. not have to be a priest. But that is separate from the Catholic rite called a major exorcism. Mm-hmm. And the Roman ritual has guidelines on exorcism. So has guidelines about uh, how to do it, how to determine when it's needed. And this includes making sure that we are not dealing with a physical or psychological illness. Right. I mean, that is specifically said in the In like, the right. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that was, oh, I hope I get his name right. Pope John Paul V, I think. But like 1641 was when the rite was written. And it was written because at that time, a whole bunch of people were doing exorcisms. <laughs> Just like, willy-nilly? Well, it was during the bubonic plague. And oh. people would have symptoms that people thought oh, were demonic. Bummer. And so like there was this weird rash the of everybody. Plague. Yeah. <laughs> they just heard it wrong. <laughs> they just thought it was. Yeah. Oh, oh, bubonic. Oh. I thought you said demonic. Oh. <laughs> Please stop hitting that person with a crucifix. It's, it's, a, it's a physical Leave illness. Them alone. <laughs> They're ill. <laughs> but yeah, in that, in part of that, right, it says that one of the first things the priest is supposed to do is try to figure out if it's actually a demon or if it's Mm -hmm. an illness of some sort. Right. So I I don't like especially want to come onto this episode and be like, all exorcisms are phony and everyone doing an exorcism is like, there are specifically things set up as fail saves to make sure exorcisms aren't being performed willy nilly. Right. And they're, pretty rare one of the reasons that we're doing this episode on freudian sips because we're, we're always linked somehow to psychology yes is that you know there is this underlying fear underlying concern apprehension whatever word you want to use that sometimes when these exorcism things happen it's actually mental illness that's happening in the person which and I so that's why we're doing this in many exorcisms it is right and i would further say that if it is a mental illness and we're doing an exorcism on it, it's going to intensify the mental illness because we're feeding into it. Right. It's that thing that we, that when someone is having a delusion, you don't play into it. That's not how you treat a delusion. Right. You try to help the person understand that it's not real. You right. try to help the person. So You try yeah. to break it. But on the other side of that, there is something to be said for if the possession symptoms are a result of psychological something, mm-hmm. <laughs> psychological bad, mm-hmm. then doing an exorcism might be a placebo effect. That's a really good point. And so we're, we kind of have our foot in two different places because we, and I do agree with Anna that 
a lot of times there's delusions, there's hallucinations, things that lead people to to think that it's something spiritual when it's actually something going on with their mental health. However, I I have to always put in that disclaimer that I do I do believe mm-hmm. that that possessions happen. You know, I've I've I don't know that I've ever experienced seeing a person who was possessed in my lifetime. But <laughs> knock had, on wood. Hey, right. it's okay if but, I don't actually. <laughs> but I've had some kind of spooky experiences spiritually praying with people that you know what I would say would be right on the edge of being a little bit too spooky for my taste. So <laughs> sure. But I also think that I mean, especially stepping back a little bit, religion can often bring about a religious fervor mm-hmm. that can lead to like suggestibility. Um, my black cat she's spooky (laughs) she's always spooky (laughs) she's the spooky not because she's black she's just um she's she's a black cat that should be spooky but she's spooky because of her life (laughs) bless her heart but yeah i mean i think there does come a point where and that'll come up in uh the case that i'll talk about so i'll kind of wait to talk about that a little more then So the person performing the rite of exorcism uh, is going to be an ordained priest in the Catholic Church for the Catholic rite of exorcism. Okay, so like you said, there's like trained people to do it. Right. There is something called the International Association of Exorcists. Right. (laughs) That sounds like a fun club to be in. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Sign me up. Imagine those meetings. Think of their secret handshake. (laughs) (laughs) They just perform exorcisms on each other. They flick each other with holy water just to make sure. I'm not sure if this is the same organization, but some in one of the notes that I read about the Catholic Church specifically, they said there are about 50 what they called stable exorcists. But does that mean? Catholic priest exorcist in the United States. Like, okay. like they've been established. They've had their training. The Pope slash then the bishops have have acknowledged they have the right to do that they have the ability they're good ones it kind of goes back to you know in the new testament when the apostles were talking to jesus because that was one of their sticks you know that they would cast out demons Mm -hmm. and there was somewhere i wish i could quote it exactly but where some of his followers said you know they they, they're having a hard time with these particular demons to get them out or whatever (laughs) these are toughies these are tough ones and jesus said you know some of them you gotta really like you have to fast and pray for a long time before you can deal with them because they're so strong and and it's always in the Christian faith, it's always, it's it's not the strength of the person doing it. It's the strength of God in them. It's the strength of using the name of Jesus and the power of God. Yes, but again... The person has to be a strong person. Well, and they have to yeah. really believe what they're doing. And I think that goes for not just Catholic exorcism. Like, if you are in a different faith and there is an exorcism happening there, like, you need to believe right. if there's going to be a follow-through, you right. know? Right. So there needs to be some conviction behind what you're doing. That was one of the things that I read from some experts who do exorcisms or whatever said, you know, the person who's undergoing the exorcism has to somehow connect eventually spiritually with all of it and Mm. and be somewhat aware of what's happening, which is strange to think of. It kind of feels like talking, we did an episode a a couple episodes ago about dissociative identity disorder. Exactly. It kind of sounds like integrating. Mm -hmm. That's kind of spooky. Well, and it's (laughs) weird too, because that was one of the things that I read about dissociative identity disorder is one of the mental illnesses that is most susceptible to thinking that they're being possessed or 
oppressed by demons. Right. That's one of their defense mechanisms where Exa- they try to... Which is exactly what it is. It's right. a defense mechanism. And and especially it comes back to like how these people have grown up. And if religion has been a big part of their life and then they need a thing to kind of hide behind and shield right. themselves with, even if it's going to, you know, it's weird to think about like something like a demonic possession being a defense mechanism, but sometimes that's easier than dealing with what then, you're actually going through. Then admitting that your brain is doing some things that you cannot explain. And, yeah. Yeah. Because that's scary all in itself. It really is. So you talked about how like back in the bubonic plague days, people were just exercising each other willy nilly. <laughs> but by the 1960s, exorcisms were already really rare among Catholics. There was a rise in movies and books because that was at around the time that The Exorcist came out in the early 1970s. So there was a renewed interest in the practice, but it's it's not a common thing. Right. There's not a lot of exorcisms happening. Should I tell you the signs of demonic invasion? Ew. <laughs> i get the chills i, I did a little shimmy because I, I got excited I, and mom did not and i got excited. it I, and i did a, the backwards shimmy which is i have <laughs> goosebumps, shimmy. Of, goosebumps of that's so creepy okay yeah let's do it okay the signs of demonic invasion loss or lack of appetite cutting scratching and biting of skin a cold feeling in the room which is the only one so far that cannot be kind Mental of manifested illness. yeah mm-hmm unnatural bodily postures and change in the person's face and body which can also be some some psychological of, yeah. or physical Dr- and drugs uh, medications that some people are can on cause for seizures. mental illness can do yes. that yeah the possessed losing control of their normal personality and entering into a frenzy or rage and or attacking others, which, again, could be mental. Mm-hmm. Um, change in the person's voice, which, again, like, I've heard some exorcism tapes that are spooky, but it's nothing, like... Mm-hmm. Well, people with dissociative identity yeah, sometimes have different too. voices for different and personalities. And there's, there's freaking, like, my husband and I were just talking about what's that throat singing thing? Where those people can like do like, they can like harmonize with themselves. Yeah, that so, like, is weird. Have two different. Yeah. The yeah. voice can do weird stuff. Yeah. Like it's creepy to listen to that stuff. But the skeptic in me always pops up when I listen to like demonic, like exorcism tapes or whatever. It's uh-huh. like, okay, that's just a person. It's yeah. a person making a weird, creepy voice. I think part of that though is because you've grown up or you've been socialized with those really spooky movies. Yeah, that's true. And it desensitizes <laughs> you. Yeah. I read a thing online the other day that I really resonate with, which is like when you have a cat, you're like immune to demonic anything. <laughs> you can hear like scratching in the other room and be like, it's the cat. Hey, baby. Who's your good baby? The demon in the other room is like, I'm a good baby. All right. I know some of the sounds my cats make at night. I did. I have actually thought that before. Like, you know, if I lived alone and ghost or something. Yeah, you can blame your cats for anything. Supernatural physical strength, not subject to the person's build or age, is another sign, which, again, people can be capable of some very people crazy stuff. in a psychotic break. Ding, ding, ding. Or under the influence of certain drugs right. as well, can become incredibly strong. Because they don't fear being hurt. So it's like they oh, just... Oh, they like lose their inhibitions. I mean, that, that's that's one of the things I think it is. You yeah. know, like you don't... Because part of what keeps you from like just full on, you know, bashing against a guy who's twice your size is you know you're going to get squished, you know. But, but if, if they don't no care fear, about themselves. Yeah, 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 no fear of getting hurt. You just, you bash. Right. 
that's one of the things that the guy that I'm going to talk about in a minute says that's a significant thing with possessions. That, that like is a marker that it's actually a possession. Yeah, like a 90, 90 pound woman can throw a 200 pound man across the room. Right. Good for her. <laughs> Go girl. <laughs> Who is she? I want to know. If she what is. martial arts does she practice? Speaking in tongues or a language that the person cannot have learned before, which that one gets me. But again, it's like, okay, you can't conclusively prove that they wouldn't have known or heard that language or something. Right. But yeah, that's that's one of the ones that makes me go, hmm, Especially okay. Latin, because that's yeah. the one that kind of comes up a lot, that they speak in Latin. Sure. Not many of us know how to speak in Latin. I sure don't. And I took it in college. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little scary. <laughs> Knowledge of past events the person cannot have known. Mm. Uh, knowledge of present events the person hasn't witnessed or having knowledge about like predicting future events that that come true. Sometimes those are dreams. So just knowing things that they can't possibly know. Right. So that kind of borderlines on if you're a person who believes in special gifts, yeah. like being able to read people's minds or to be able or to like tell the future. Or right. Or whatever. Because yeah. that, that kind of crosses that line as sure. well. And yeah. I don't know. I guess the spirits would be. Yeah. It's not you knowing right, things. Right. It's, it's the demon within right, you right, knowing things. Right. Levitating and moving objects. Uh, expelling of objects. I don't know what that means. Puking? <laughs> Maybe. That thing that she does Curling? in The Exorcist, That's which is the pee Expelling, soup. yes. <laughs> major expelling. Intense hatred and aversion and even violent reactions toward religious objects and items. Mm. Which again, I, I think the brain is capable of some intense stuff and can manifest a reaction to that stuff especially if it's just like aversion if a person is believing that they are possessed right then you would believe that that would be part of what exactly yeah Yeah. right and also aversion toward going into like a holy place speaking a holy name hearing scripture any of that kind of stuff those are the big signs of demonic invasion creepy crawly so let's tip toward the science for a second. Okay. Obviously, possession is not in the DSM. <laughs> we do not have a chapter on demonic possession, but the symptoms of possession are ascribed to physical or mental illness, usually hysteria, mania, psychosis, Tourette syndrome, epilepsy, mm. schizophrenia, or dissociative identity disorder, like you said. There's also a form of, this is interesting, it's called monomania which is like a single pathological preoccupation with something, an obsession with something, right? basically. And specifically, it's called, <laughs> I'm not going to say it right, because when I say monomania, it's going to make me say the other one wrong. So monomania is like the broad category. Specifically, right. this is called demonomania. 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 <laughs> which sounds like a fun carnival for demons to go to. <laughs> A demon goes it's to his demon rage. buddy and is like, are you going to demonomania? It's just down the street. It's all weak. Come on. Uh, but it's where the patient truly believes that they are possessed by one or more demons and the illusion that the exorcism works. Like when like someone truly believes effect. it. Exactly. It's a placebo mm-hmm. where like they truly believe they're possessed. Mm-hmm. So they also believe that the exorcism is taking care of that possession. Mm-hmm. There are some cases that say that possessed persons are narcissists or are suffering from like 
a low self-esteem thing and act like they're possessed to gain attention, which honestly sounds like Munchausen's too. It really does. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I think that's, I would say that's probably an even smaller percentage than the people who are actually possessed. Like, I think the things that people do when they act possessed are so extreme that there has to be some legitimate belief that that's what's going on. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except the one in a million who would be kind of like, I don't know. I'm going like, to cash in on this yeah, position. Yeah, shit. like, I don't know how you would cash in on it. But especially because a lot of it is like self um, like self-harm and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't know why you would do that yeah. to get popular. All the guys will <laughs> like me if I'm possessed. Chicks dig <laughs> demons, baby. <laughs> Historically speaking, trepanation is something that has basically been like a neurological exorcism, which is a great callback to our last episode. We, about I was going to say it, we've been talking about that with yeah. that, and also with Phineas. Mm-hmm. Basically, they thought the cause of mental illness was spirits trapped in your head, so mm-hmm. they would drill holes in your head. Some and of let my the headaches feel like out. that's what's happening. <laughs> Maybe you should but just I'm drill not going to drill a hole. Your head no, no, okay. no. So that's kind of all I got about like what exorcism is in various uh, forms and various cultures. Do you want to talk about a specific exorcism case or do you want to talk about your guy who's more science based about it? Let's talk about let's talk about my guy and then we'll like finish the episode with your spooky spooky case. Spooky okay. story time. The okay. spooky story time. Because when I was doing my deep diving, the thing that I was really interested in, I, I found this several articles and things about this man named Dr. Richard Gallagher. He went to Yale University, so he's a pretty smart hoity-toity dude. He is a certified, a board-certified psychiatrist. He teaches at Columbia University and New York Medical College currently. He's currently He's currently doing this, yes. For the past 25 years, he has been a consultant on exorcisms. But basically he does is that the exorcists, and they're usually Catholic priests, but not always, Mm -hmm. they call him when they have a a difficult case that they're having a struggle with because of that thing that we talked about, that in the right it says they're supposed to discern, is this actually something spiritual or is it something uh, medical or mental? So he's the guy they call to do it. He's one of the guys they call. And they're kind of name dropping in this article that I read because they dropped the name Reverend Gary Thomas. Do you remember the movie the right did you see that movie spooky spooky movie the right if it's a spooky movie i've probably seen it it's a spooky movie (laughs) and in that movie the right was based on this man reverend thomas so he's kind of a exorcist celebrity in the united states i mean he still he still does that he's a cool exorcist he wears a leather a leather jacket to his exorcisms right one of his quotes one of reverend thomas's quotes in this article i read said that dr richard gallagher is interesting combination of scientist and man of faith and this was the quote i wanted to say to you he said not like most therapists who are either atheists or agnostic and I'm like, whoa, whoa there, buddy. <laughs> Throw us under the bus, Reverend I don't Thomas. think that's true. Even. I don't think it is either. <laughs> that's a very sweeping generalization. It is. And honestly, I think about all the therapists that I know personally. Yeah. And they're all people of faith. Right. I mean, they don't Various necessarily. Faiths, not yeah, necessarily. Yeah. But they don't necessarily, you know, like talk about their faith during sessions well, or whatever. Well, that's the but. thing is that like I'm also faithful, but even like I, when I'm in session with someone, it's not 
proselytize. Like right, that's not right. one of the things you're doing. No. You let the client lead. And if the client's going to bring in spirituality, you do that. Unless right. you're like a specifically spiritual-based counselor, right, right. which there are many. It, yeah. So that's, that's exactly a right. Weird thing to say. I know. Cool I'm, I'm superstar kinda, kinda exorcism. Kind of by him, but... He has worked many cases and he is, he uh, self-reports that he is very science. He's a man of science and he always this has been. This is Gallagher. This, yeah. Now I'm back to Dr. Gallagher. Yeah. Um, he did grow up Catholic, big Irish Catholic family, and he still identifies as Catholic. However, you know, he said that um, when he was a kid and growing up that that was not really part of the faith at all. And, and, and you know, I grew up Catholic. You technically grew up Catholic, sort of. <laughs> What's the technically about? Well, of course, I grew up Catholic. Yeah, it wasn't like the way I grew up, though, where it was like I going, mean, I to, guess. going sure. to church constantly. And I went to private school. Yeah, you did. Okay, well, yeah, you grew up really Catholic. <laughs> I'm sorry. pretty Catholic, man. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> what was the point? The point was, it's not like we talk a lot about that in well, the Catholic that, church. And that's a good point. Like, I think... Honestly, when I think of knowing about exorcisms, none of that knowledge came from like my religious upbringing. No. It came from like seeing the exorcist movie, yeah. you know? It's not like they taught that in religion class, no, really. No. Yeah. It wasn't addressed very much. Even. Right. So Dr. Gallagher went into this being very science-minded. And so when he was called upon to help, he went in very, what's the word? Like skeptical, Skeptical, that's the word I wanted. Which I think is important. I think even right. if you believe, going into it with some measure of skepticism is important just to balance out and make sure you're not seeing things that aren't there, right. basically. But one of his very first cases that he did really gave him kind of a change. It's he, The way he talks about it is it strengthened his faith in God, but it also made him aware that that possession is real in some cases. That's a double-edged sword. Right. And he <laughs> talks about, he. one of the things he talks about is that he protects the identity of his clients, his patients very carefully, which is a good thing to do as a therapist. Yeah, I was going to say, um, good job, Doc. Yeah. That's like lowest bar. <laughs> because people are always asking him like for videos or for oh, proof, sure. you know, of these things and he's like that's not what I do as as a doctor I as a therapist I don't do that but he did have permission to share this one particular story that he always shares which is one of his first cases that he worked on with this uh woman and he described her as a middle-aged woman who called herself a witch she dressed all in black she really you know was embracing that the witchy lifestyle yeah yeah exactly she called herself the queen of satan um (laughs) i'm sorry was she 14 I shouldn't be making fun of the possessed no, person. No, you, you but. shouldn't. But. <laughs> and also, did Satan get permission for her to say <laughs> yeah, that? Satan's I don't like, know. Whoa, uh, you're Take not me out queen. to dinner yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> But she um, was like the leader of a satanic cult, which I guess she was the queen <laughs> the of the weird cult. Weird hobby and to so have. So she called Church, herself the, the queen, queen of, of the cult. Yeah. yeah. So for him releasing this information with permission from his client, basically, he calls her Julia. That's the name that he gives to her. So actually, even though she was doing this and and self-acclaimed as the queen of Satan, she herself went to a priest because she didn't like some of the pain she was, you know, having over this and the self-mutilation and stuff that would happen when she was in a trance. She Maybe felt, like, don't do the trances anymore, kiddo. She felt conflicted because she still <laughs> hey, wanted to be like this. I don't like when I do this. <laughs> Stop <laughs> poking like, yourself. Maybe right? don't then. <laughs> Stop punching yourself. Yeah. Stop punching yourself. That was the reason that the priest <laughs> called 
um, Dr. Gallagher because it was such an interesting case that she said she was so conflicted. Doc, and- I've got the queen of <laughs> Satan in my office. Do you think you can handle this one? And he's like, yep, I'll be right over. Dr. Gallagher said that during the sessions with her, when she would go into a trance, that it had like when you listed those things of what they do. I mean, she had all it was of that like checkbox, including yeah. including things flying off shelves. The only thing he said he did not witness with her was levitation. He said he has never seen anyone levitate, but he has had peers in the business, whatever. Mm-hmm swear up and down that they have seen it but 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 he has never seen that so the thing that that freaked him out the most about this woman was that she would when he would come into a session with her because they would do like basically a therapy session sure and then kind of go into the whole exorcism you know she would go into a trance and sounds very much like what maybe a therapist does with a dissociative identity person where the different identities can i talk to the queen of satan exactly and that is kind of what they do in an exorcism. You know, they call yeah, out, they, they try call to call out, out the demon. Exactly. And so she would say things to him like she knew that his mother had died of ovarian cancer and he had really never told anyone that. Again, this goes back to what you said. Is there a way that she could have found that information out? However, the one that freaked him out the most was there was one particular night where before he went to the session, he had cats and his cats were like running around and yowling and screeching at each other and hissing and that's just, just being weird. That's you know? just how my cats always I don't act. Like, that so like a day in, in yeah. his house. But then when he got to session, she like in the spooky voice <laughs> said you know your cats you how know, are like, your cats yeah. today <laughs> yeah, like those Doctor. that was me basically was what she said to him that was me <laughs> and it was like okay every cat's possessed by satan <laughs> that's no big feat <laughs> and the and the spookiest part of this particular particular case for <laughs> speaking of animals <laughs> losing it <laughs> Was that on more than one occasion when he would be talking to the priest on the phone? Good lord, um, <laughs> devils out there! I know it's like hey, this is a spooky episode. All the animals and werewolves. And- our local werewolf losing it he would be talking to the priest on the phone and even though the woman that they had been working with was like far far away like not even in the same state they'd be talking on the phone and they they would hear the voice of the demon that would talk through her like on the on the telephone line threatening them Ooh, i don't like it and they both you know obviously they both heard it so it wasn't just like a one person thing so he said that that particular case really made him what happened the end of the story is kind of sad because she eventually just ended she didn't want to do it anymore because she didn't want to lose her connection to satan i guess queen of satan status yeah so she she thought she would be demoted to like monarch right (laughs) just one of the maidens or whatever sure (laughs) very soon after she ended session she she died of cancer like very quickly oh that's not where i expected i expected you to be saying like she killed herself yeah or self-harm to a degree but no she um Hmm. he said that that was she being treated for cancer was any of that that's a good question from the way he explained it it was like something that happened very quickly out of Mm -hmm. the blue bam she was dead there was another man that was quoted in that article that i had read and i'm sorry i didn't write down that person's name but but he too is a psychiatrist and he has all those big high there look there's (laughs) another side paper paper. his name was dr jeffrey lieberman and he's a psychiatrist too his specialization is schizophrenia Mm. is that a word specialization yeah (laughs) 
That sounded like a really freaky word there for a minute. Um, he's the director of the New York State Psychiatric Institute. So he's he's a hoity McToity, right? He's high up, sure. Yeah. But he sometimes does what this other doctor does. He doesn't get as deep into it. But there was a quote, some stories from him that there was one particular case that really was upsetting to him that he was treating this young woman for schizophrenia. And he was treating her for months and months and months. And there was like, no, he could just couldn't get any. And there were other people saying that she was possessed. And mm-hmm. she herself would sometimes talk about the possession. He would continue to treat her for schizophrenia. And there was another specialist on the case. It wasn't a spiritualist. It was another a psychiatrist. And he noticed that when he would go home from sessions, that he would have a terrible headache. Mm. And he had a, a bad headache all night. And, and that the lights in his house would go off. And then come back on and like several times. And the pictures on the wall would fall off the wall. Several pictures would fall off the wall. Like every time you go to a session. So he being a a total man of science, like he was like not going to believe it. Put the pictures back up. On the sure. Wall. <laughs> Stupid the, nails. Go, go to the fuse box. And Stupid <laughs> electrical wires. Take some Excedrin for his <laughs> headache. And but then what? What freaked him out was. Which wouldn't that freak you out? Because it happened on several. Comes in, the lights are flickering. He's like, I just have a sinus headache. I have a headache. And and (laughs) yeah, they're like, your lights are. "Mm, Oh, I I thought that was my headache. Yeah, Um, that sinuses too. Actually, I have bad allergies. Yeah. (laughs) But after a couple of times that happening, he mentioned it like kind of. This is kind of weird to the other person, (laughs) and the other person was like. Oh my God, that's happening to me too. Ooh, creepy. So two different people in different places had the same thing happening to them. That is weird. The reason that I bring that up is because I'll go back to Dr. Gallagher again, that he says, you know, most of the people that he investigates do indeed have some mental illness going on. Sure. But he believes, like you said, you have to believe in it. He believes with everything that there are truly possessions that happen. He said that the reason he does what he does is he feels like that's just an extension of being a therapist because a therapist is a person who wants to help people to be whole again, to Mm -hmm. to be at peace. And he feels like this is just kind of an extension of that. So one of the things in the main article I read about Dr. Gallagher actually referenced what you're going to talk about next. Really? Because one of the reasons that the priests started being a little more careful about, you mm-hmm. know, calling in specialists was because there was this kind of big mania or this big social... Mm-hmm. Public. Yeah. What word am I looking for? Because it was before social media that that right. happened. But um, there was a lot of publicity over this particular case, and they didn't want to do that again. So tell us about a spoopy case. So let's talk about this case. This case has a lot. It's got it all. It's got religion, obviously. It's got the psychology. It's got law. There's a trial. And that's where that media frenzy came from during the trial. There are recordings, which I don't know if you want to hear them. No. Okay. Maybe I'll stick them in and post when I talk about them a little. But Maybe you could stick it in after the episode. And so that if you, if you oh, don't like good to hear idea. this, don't listen to it. Okay, I'll do like that. Like with a disclaimer. Because I don't like, I, I get freaked out. I totally get I that. Do. And there's yeah. some freaky stuff. But yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, at the end of the episode, I'll kind of put a thing and, and maybe stick a few creepy recordings in if you're okay. into that. Which I am. I let, I get a little thrill out of it. So, <laughs> da da da. Well, let's talk about the case of Annalise Michelle. You might have seen a movie called The Exorcism of Emily Rose that is fully based on this case. Obviously, a lot of dramatic liberties have been taken, but the, this is the case where they took that idea from. 
Uh-huh. So the real Annalise Michelle was born Anna Elizabeth Michelle. She was born September 21st, 1952 in Bavaria, West Germany. Her parents were Josef and Anna, Anna, mm-hmm. one of those. It's your name so you could say it any way you want. Right. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Uh, she had three sisters. I don't know where she landed in the birth order. I couldn't find that. But her family was very religious and especially Annalise. She went to mass twice a week. Uh, when she was in university, all of her classmates described her as withdrawn and very religious. Hmm. So that's just kind of who she was as a person. Um, but when she was 16, things started to happen. She had a convulsion. Uh, she was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy as a oh result of that. She was described dilantin for this, which didn't alleviate the problem. And actually, this is when she began talking about seeing devil faces throughout the day. I glanced at the side effects for Dilantin because I was like, okay, well, maybe there's some kind of hallucinatory right, thing. Exactly. It didn't specifically say like hallucinations or psychosis were part of that, but those can be caused by epilepsy. Like psychosis can be a part of epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And so the side effects didn't list seeing devil faces. <laughs> that wasn't May see devil Imagine faces. like having one of those commercials where they do like the little talking quick. Like yeah, side cost. effects may include seeing devil faces throughout the day. <laughs> Contact your doctor if devil faces if last longer devil. than four hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> but they also prescribed her Aolept to, to treat the psychosis and delusions. But those also didn't help. So that's, I don't know. They threw a lot of medications at this girl. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point that became to her detriment. They were probably working with each other. Right. By 1973, she was suffering from severe depression, which is totally understandable. I mean, even if she just had epilepsy, like if you're dealing with a severe physical illness, this is happening with one of my clients right now. She's dealing with a really, a really bad like physical, like she gets nauseous whenever she eats anything and she just can't keep anything down. Really don't know what's going on, but it's causing her to like dive deep into depression because being physically ill is taxing on your body and especially brain. when they can't figure out what it is exactly that's really really hard to handle so i think that's a huge part of what was happening with poor annalise mm-hmm. like i think she was just losing it a little bit and her hallucinations were tying into her religious fervor enough mm-hmm. that that's where that started to go but the hallucinations were getting worse she was hearing voices especially when she was praying she would hear voices saying that she was damned and that she would rot in hell oh my she began acting very intense intolerant of sacred objects and places um so like crucifixes around this time actually a family friend organized a pilgrimage to san damiano and while they were there the escort decided that annalise was possessed because she wouldn't walk past a crucifix and she couldn't drink holy water from a holy spring Mm. um Father Alt, who I will talk about a little bit later, was later said to have said, Annalise told me, and Frau Hein confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation and then said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden, then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her glance from the picture of Christ in the chapel of the house. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. So 
it's just sad. Like, no matter what's happening, this is a sad story. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. Is, the, is the bottom line. But Annalise's his family and community really began to buy into that she is possessed. They asked several priests for an exorcism, and those were declined. The priests were saying, no, continue the medical treatment. This is medical what's happening, so mm-hmm. continue this. Unfortunately, the medical treatment wasn't helping. Things kept getting worse, including Annalise starting to show aggression. She started to self-injure. Mm. They began her on Tegretol, which is an anti-seizure and a mood stabilizer, which is a bonkers combination for one medicine to be. Isn't it, though? Anticonvulsant and a mood stabilizer. But she was also on other antipsychotic drugs. Mm. Uh, She still began growling, seeing demons, and throwing things. However, (laughs) here's the rub. Some accounts say that she wasn't consistent with her medicine and that sometimes she would take less if her prescriptions were low and that then when she would get the prescriptions refilled, she would take more to make up for oh, it. Oh, my. So that's probably why there was Bad a... Bad way to take medication yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, if you're listening to this, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. So that's probably why there was a continued decline because mm-hmm. if the medications were not... Which is understandable if she's dealing with all this stuff. I, I mean, I have trouble taking my medications and I don't see demon phases. Thank God. Thank God. uh, So finally, two priests, uh, one was Father Ernst Alt, um, which is the one that the the quote came from earlier, and Father Arnold Renz asked the bishop again for permission for an exorcism because Alt declared that Annalise didn't look like an epileptic and that he didn't see seizures. Hmm. Which... He's not a doctor, but, you know, I don't... Well, that's the thing. That's... I don't know. That seems very subjective, but but okay. But if he was involved in that where she said the soil was burning her and all that i could understand that he would maybe be leaning toward the whole demon thing well and i I also think it really comes from i mean your perspective your frame of reference and of course you're gonna see what you're trained to see right it's kind of when you have a hammer everything's a nail we've talked about this even with like psychologists where like i've worked with people who know a lot about like adhd but Mm -hmm. then when they work with anyone they see adhd in that even if that's not actually what's going on so i'm not just saying this about like religious beliefs this happens in science too where you just come at something from a frame of reference and it can get a little cloudy so alt and renz asked the bishop again for permission for an exorcism the bishop who i noted in my notes looks like chevy chase i don't know why that was important (laughs) but it was important enough to write down this is chevy chase looking bishop okay the right but here's where i get a little skeptical he said okay but you have to do it in total secrecy why would he have said that because if it went wrong yeah, I mean, like, it's the, mid, it's the mid-70s. And so we talked yeah. about, like, the exorcist had come out in the 70s. Yeah. So it's when things are out, like, yeah. exorcisms are happening. I don't... Was it because there was medical stuff? I don't think so because of thing that the bishop says later. But... Okay. Okay. So this is September 1975 that the bishop okays this. And September 24th was the first session of exorcisms. Over the course of 1975 and 1976, they would have one or two sessions every week, each lasting up to four hours. Wow. That's a huge amount of exorcism. That's a part-time job being Mm -hmm. exorcised. So over the course of 10 months, there would be 67 total exorcism sessions. Oh my gosh. 
That's like over 250 hours of being exercised. Uh That's an insane amount of exorcism. Over the course of this, Annalise began talking more and more about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostate priests of the modern church. She eventually started to refuse to eat. She believed she was possessed by six demons. Lucifer, Cain, Judas Iscariot, Adolf Hitler, Nero, and someone named Fleischmann, who was a disgraced priest, which she wouldn't have known about Fleischmann. Like, that was one of the things that, that I read about in the, in the case that people were saying. Like, she couldn't have known that Fleischmann was a disgraced priest. But the other ones get a little too, like... They're like the top... top you're telling me the top five Hitler and Judas are both in there? <laughs> they don't have other things to do? They're all attacking this one person? So... Yeah, she pulled in the big names. <laughs> those are some big... This, those are big gets, hitters, you know? yeah. Top hitters, <laughs> Lucifer himself and Hitler. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Again, I don't want to make fun of this poor girl who went no, through this, but no. here I am already doing it. So here we are. It said the demons argued with each other. Sorry, again, I shouldn't be laughing. With Hitler saying, people are stupid as pigs. They think it's all over after death. It goes on. And Judas saying Hitler was nothing but a big mouth who had no real say in hell. You tell him, Judas. You, t- <laughs> you tell him. I was Hitler. here way before you, the boss. <laughs> I mean, technically speaking, if they're damned souls, they're not demons. I mean, by definition, I'm getting into definitionism, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that to me would be more like ghosts. Yeah. 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 Okay. (laughs) One of the things I watched while I was preparing for this was uh, the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode, (laughs) episode about this case. And they like played the little clip where she's talking about like who's in there. And then one of one of the hosts of BuzzFeed Unsolved, who is very much a skeptic, was like making fun of it and say, and he had a point. It does sound like someone doing a bit. It does, like just like. So is this Nero, like- Judas is here, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> is this actually a recording of her? Yes, of Annalise. It's, it's, okay, it's a recording of her doing the demon voice and oh, talking God, about who's awful. in there. Oh, that's Judas horrible. is here. Lucifer's here. Hitler's here. Just talking about them I'm all. I'm sorry, at this I shouldn't be laughing. This I'm, is horrible. Me neither, but it, it's, why are we laughing at this? It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> and then the laughing is how we're coping. Okay, anyway, it's a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism. So, <sighs> around this time, she requested that doctors stop being consulted, and her family agreed to that. Oh, which was not their best idea. Maybe don't let the demonically possessed girl say, I'm just going to stop eating. We're not going to talk to doctors anymore. And they were like, sounds good. Well, they were probably exhausted from all of it. Well, sure. But they let the exorcisms keep going. Oh. That was her request. Her request was, we need to stop talking to doctors and focus on the exorcisms. And so they kept going with the exorcisms. If she was so full of demons, I don't know why she would want to be doing the exorcisms. Well, she I mean, by that, to be full of demons. Oh, okay. She still had enough of herself left. I guess. She, okay. But that, I mean, it sounds like dissociative identity. Yeah, it does. Or schizophrenia, or some mix of both mm-hmm. with the hallucinations. Although, at least from what I saw of the timeline, the like hallucinations didn't start until she was on medication. Oh. So I'm not saying, like, again, this is just me totally uninformed Mm -hmm. about the details, the particulars, but that's a red flag to me. That was triggering something in her brain. Right, right. 
So unfortunately, sure enough, after she was refusing to eat and refusing medical care, she died in her home on the 1st of July, 1976. The autopsy report stated that the cause of death was malnutrition and dehydration resulting from nearly a year in a semi-starved state with uh, the rites of exorcism being performed during that time. She weighed 66 pounds oh my God. when she died. Oh, my God. That's horrible. It's 30 kilograms for our overseas listeners. That's insane. That, that You're just skin and bones at that point. 66 pounds? Yeah, I don't even know how she kept she living like at that point. She was like mid-20s. Oh, my God. She was suffering broken knees due to continuous kneeling. Mm. And there's pictures, those pictures freaked me out possibly the most of the ones that I've seen, that there was like a pillow on the ground and they were like helping her like kneel and stand up to keep like doing the genuflections even while her knees were broken. Oh God. Like, oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. She has broken knees? Take her to a hospital. Do it in the hospital. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. And that's like, that's what, okay. If she's like the exorcism or the only things that are helping me. Okay. But as a conscientious family member, or the priest should have said it too, like, we can keep doing the exorcisms, but you need to be in a medical facility. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think, I mean, when I just hear you talking about it, I think she just, it was just a real drawn out suicide. Yeah. I mean, she just was done with all of that. She was right. done with all the pain. She was. Well, that's why she stopped eating. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's sad. I I wish I had more of an insight into what she was trying to do. Was so she how did the legal stuff come in? Okay, well let's talk about Can that. We do that? That's, that is yes. So the same year, the state charged Annalise's parents and the two priests who did the exorcism with negligent homicide, saying that the death could have been prevented even like a week before she died, which was true. Even a week before that, if she died from de- dehydration, malnutrition, if they got her to a hospital right. and they could have given her food that way, like she mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have died. The trial started in March 1978 and garnered a lot of attention from the public because it's juicy let's be real Mm -hmm. it's a juicy case so the doctors that were testifying in the case said that Annalise's condition was a psychological effect of her religious upbringing and the epilepsy so in in combination those two things Mm -hmm. another doctor Richard Roth was asked to help by Alt by Father Alt the BuzzFeed episode said that like when Roth came he came like during the exorcism and they said, I don't know where they were getting their, their source, but they said like he wasn't there to like help with the case. He was there on like personal curiosity, Oh, but he was a medical doctor. So they used that and he was reported saying during one of the exorcisms to Annalise, there's no injection against the devil, Annalise. So that's not super helpful. That probably wasn't helpful for her to hear. So the defense is saying that the exorcism was legal because it was exercising religious beliefs, but the bishop refused to testify at the court, saying that he was not aware of her alarming health conditions when he approved of the exorcism. I think that smells like bullshit because that's part of the right. Wouldn't he have said that's negligent anyway? Right. You're supposed to be sure. He should have ruled those things out. Yeah. Okay, but maybe he was like delegating it to like, okay, well, the priests wouldn't, the priests have already ruled that out, Mm -hmm. but he refused to take any responsibility for that. 
The accused, so the family and the two priests, were convicted of negligent homicide and given suspended prison sentences, which was harsher than the prosecution actually asked for. The prosecution was suggesting fines, but they they did suspended prison sentences instead. And the case made officially sanctioned exorcisms in Germany basically die out, like decrease significantly um, just because of the attention that it garnered, the negative attention that it garnered. It basically made exorcisms in Germany stop happening around that time. In the aftermath, Annalise's grave has become a place of pilgrimage. And on the 6th of June, 2013, this is just kind of a creepy last note, a fire broke out in the house where Annalise Michelle lived. And although the local police said it was a case of arson, some locals have said it's from the exorcism case. Dun, dun, dun. That maybe those demons are still there. I think they should burn the house down. <laughs> well, they already did. <laughs> That's what happened. That's so, good. hey. That's good. Yeah. Ugh. Creepy stuff, right? Sad. I don't know. Very sad. Well, it's like you said, whether it was real possession mm-hmm. or mental illness and or medical issues, it was very sad that that woman had to endure that in her lifetime. And right. It's very sad. Because whatever it was... We're looking at a woman who had no control over her life. Right. And I think that's where the not eating comes in. We've, mm. And that's something that we deal with, like with people who have eating disorders even. Right. They do it as a way to control their lives. Right. And, and I do think that that was kind of like the one thing she could possibly control. Mm-hmm. I just think that her family was being negligent by not saying like, okay, but we need to take you to a hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad that she died. And I don't want to like victim blame them because they lost a daughter too. Right. But as the people outside who were not being influenced by whatever Annalise was being influenced That's by, a good way to say it. they should have taken control over right. that situation. Right. But I can also understand the frustration of medical stuff has not helped me thus far. I'm done with it. Right. I mean, we see that in people with like who are terminally ill with things that we know are physical too. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Hard to know. It's sad that she went through. I think the saddest part is that she went through such trauma before she died. Yeah. I mean, go, undergoing almost 70 exorcisms, that's huge trauma. So that's the case of Annalise Michelle, one of the more famous exorcism cases. Wow. Just mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. So I know in this in Spooktober. In Spooktober. People like to watch all those scary shows about things like demons and mm-hmm. spooky, spooky stuff. Yeah. You and I have talked about this before that you like those things. You like we to watch spooky stuff. We have a, an episode about why people like to yeah. watch those kind of things. Spooky, spookies. Episode 36 ah. from our last Spooktober series. And we've talked about that I do not like to watch spooky stuff. So it's kind of like when you said you would leave some audio at the end of the episode. I would be turning <laughs> the episode off. I would not be listening to that. because, And part of that's because I do you know, take it very seriously right. because of my spiritual beliefs. The other part is I just I don't like to think that spooky spooky stuff. But right. so wherever you fall on that spectrum, sipsters of of getting into the spooky spookies or shying away from mm-hmm. it. And if you want to watch a movie about quote unquote mm-hmm. this case, uh The Exorcism of Emily Rose is actually a really good horror movie. Like really effective horror movie. And it does deal with like the trial. Like, like it does it. Yeah, the trial is. Is like it the pretty true device. to the story? Uh, no. There's, I mean, it's like Americanized, and yeah, and okay. it's very dramatized. Like, but she sees like demon. Like that's one of the scariest things. Like the like 
there's demon faces that like stretch as she's like walking past these people. It's Ooh. very creepy, but well, because quite frankly, I didn't realize it was in Germany mm-hmm. until you talked about it, right? Because I was I don't know, in my and head it, was it was significantly historical yeah. case. All right, Whew, I'm worn out. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Exhausted talking about spooky, spooky stuff. stuff. So I'm going to thank our listeners. Is that all right? Please do. We kind of went a little long today. Did we go long today? We did. It felt long. <laughs> I'm exhausted from this spookiness. So, Sipsters, please stay safe during Spooktober. Whatever you're doing, if you're whatever watching you scary believe. movies, whatever your faith is, whatever your spirituality, stay healthy, stay safe, stay balanced, all those things we always talk about. Be Even self-aware. Even if, if you are like skeptical or agnostic or, or you know, just scientific-minded, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say it, like, you can still protect yourself by focusing on your mental health. Right, right. Stay self-aware of yeah. what's, what you're putting into your brain and your body and around you as mm-hmm. well. So, Because we want you to be healthy and strong to listen to our next episode. <laughs> yeah, we want you to <laughs> stay, stay alive, alive and not be possessed <laughs> so you can listen to our next episode. We do appreciate you, Sipsters. We thank you for listening and we hope that you'll be with us next time. Yes, thank you so much for listening. You can find more of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're Freudian Sips pod on everything our site is freudiansipspod.com you can email us at freudiansipspod at gmail.com especially if you would like to send us review pictures and then we can send you a sticker in the mail mm-hmm. please remember to leave us that nice rating and review even if you're not going to ask for a sticker but please please do we love to send those out um but yeah just leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that wherever you're listening it really helps us it helps helps us to get that feedback and it helps other people to find us when you leave reviews for us too right Right. Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this in a second, but I'm going to put spooky stuff after it. So if you want to hear the spooky stuff, stay until after this. Okay, hello, sipsters, or should I say spooksters? We got rid of mom. She's not here. It's just you and me, and we're going to listen to some spooky, spooky stuff. So what I'm going to play is like a minute to minute and a half of audio from the Annalise exorcism tapes. It's all in German. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't understand any of this. Yeah, it's because it's in German. Um, So I'm going to play it, and then I'm going to pop back in and kind of explain what they are saying. So, here we go. Ja, 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 gegen uns. 
Okay, so like I said, it was all in German, so I was mostly playing it for you to kind of hear how Annalise's voice sounds during it, like how she kind of goes into that demon voice, but they're talking about how it's the month of the rosary, so the priest is asking her why she doesn't like the rosary, why she fears the rosary. What she ends up saying is because it is strong, it's a strong weapon. And the priest says, against demons. And she says, yes, against us. Uh, so, I mean, she is she is fully embodying the demon. She's doing that demon voice, demon growling kind of thing. But that is how she sounds in the majority of the exorcism tapes, that like deep growly voice. So yeah, wanted to play it for you to kind of just kind of give you a sense of how she sounds and how those exorcism tapes sound. But uh, yeah, that was your spooky audio for the day. Now go listen to something happy and, and fun, especially before you sleep. Okay, bye.